Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello, 2024, and welcome, everybody, to another year of Bible study podcasts. Some people enter the world on a positive note and carry a happy personality throughout life. Not me, and how about you? Today, I want to give a very simple message for this coming new year, 10 Ways to Lift Your Spirits. Next week, we'll continue on with our series of studies from 1 John, and later in the year, I want to go through the book of Zechariah, which is strange, mysterious, apocalyptic, and full of encouragement, and also full of information about the future, about our future about what is happening on this planet. So please share this podcast with others. Let's spread this habit of studying the Bible, usually verse by verse, chapter by chapter, line by line, but today, a topic, 10 Ways to Lift Your Spirits. So as I said, some people enter the world on a positive note and carry a happy personality with them through all of their days. I'm not one of those. I'm melancholic by nature and I've spent much of my adult life having to learn how to experience the joy of the Lord and to do so in increasing measure. I believe that His hope should fill our hearts, mold our faces, and lift our relationships because the Lord Jesus didn't save us to be people who are dispirited, dismal, and down in the mouth or down in the dumps. True, we can't stay on an emotional high all the time because we're not helium balloons, but we should live on a high spiritual plane and be growing each day and year in the joy of the Lord. So I want to suggest in this New Year's podcast 10 different ways to do that. Number one, study the topic of joy in the Bible. A concordance is a book or an online resource listing all of the words of the Bible and where they occur in Scripture. So find a concordance, either in a book or in an online resource, which is what I now use, and check out words like rejoice, rejoicing, joy, glad, gladness, cheer. Do you know that there are nearly a thousand such verses. So look up some of them and make a list and study them and memorize your favorites. Pray them into your heart. If you do not have a concordance or can't find one, then just pick up a book in the Bible, say Philippians. That's a good place to start and read through the book highlighting all of these references. I've done this over and over again. And the preponderance of information, which is inspired and truthful, has always shifted my personality towards singing instead of sulking. Anything that means so much to God that he says it a thousand times must be very important, and it would be a shame to neglect what he underscores. 
Second, choose then to be joyful. When the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord and to do it always, it is not giving us a promise to claim, but a command to obey. Almost every morning when the alarm goes off, I say to myself out loud and in an emphatic voice, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. That's Psalm 119, verse 24. And it's a very good verse to awaken the day with. Abraham Lincoln is credited with saying, a person is just about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. Lincoln knew that we have the ability to choose our attitudes, and so we can choose to be joyful. We have to be joyful by faith. Sometimes putting on a smile and acting like a joyful person, even if we don't feel it emotionally until our emotions catch up with our volitional decision and with our faith. I write about that in my book, Mastering Life Before It's Too Late. But remember, you're not doing it alone. You have the Holy Spirit helping you. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, love, joy, peace, and six others. But joy is right there at the beginning. Number three, accentuate the positive in any situation. We can either focus on all that is wrong, or we can look for the handful of things for which we can be thankful. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. John Maxwell says that our attitude determines our approach to life. He told the story of two buckets. One bucket was an optimist and the other was a pessimist. There has never been a life as disappointing as mine, said the empty bucket as it approached the well. I always come away from the well full, but I always return empty time after time. There never has been a life as happy as mine, said the full bucket as it left the well. I never come to the well empty, but what I go away full again. Well, what kind of bucket are you? We've got to accentuate the positive and fourth, get proper rest. Whenever we grow tired physically, then our emotions tend to follow suit. Have you noticed that? Fatigue is a foe of positive emotions. Well, one of the best verses in the Bible on this subject is Mark chapter 6, verse 31, when Jesus said to his exhausted disciples, come away by yourselves with me to a quiet place and get some rest. Do you know that sometimes even a brief nap can help us, as many of us very well know. For years, I've lived with chronic exhaustion. I was too driven, too busy. As a result, I would be short-tempered, and then I'd get frustrated, and then that leads to despondency. I lived that way for a long time until I realized that I needed to make a handful of changes in my life that would allow me to get more rest and be under less stress. And I began to implement those changes. And if I hadn't have, I'm not sure I would be alive today because we cannot keep on going and going and going when we are chronically tired. We sometimes have to come to the end of the day and leave the things that are undone with the Lord, trust Him with them while we get the rest that I require. The Bible says in Psalm 127, in vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food, 
because he wants to give sleep to the one that he loves. And then fifthly, do something for someone else. Getting too wrapped up with yourself is like looking in an unflattering mirror. When we rehearse all of our aches and pains with somebody else, it reinforces them all in our own minds. Did you ever think about that? The more you talk about your problems, the more you are reinforcing those problems in your own mind. When you shine the spotlight on you, it only blinds you. But when you focus it on somebody else, it shifts your attention to another in a loving way, and love is the gateway to joy. I'll tell you this story. One morning last week, I had a flat tire. A friend helped me get it off, put the spare on the truck, and throw the flat one into the bed of the truck, and I took it down to the service station where a young man, he was dressed in black with a hood. He was covered with grease, but he repaired it. And I just watched him as he did so. He would drop to the ground, slide under the truck, get all the contraptions in place. Then he would lift the chassis. He replaced the tire. And finally, when everything was done, he returned the spare tire to its awkward place beneath the body of the vehicle. I've never seen anyone do anything so well as you did that, I said. Where did you learn to do all of that? All of that, Because some of it was very, well, I wouldn't have known how to do it, I said. And he just grinned, and he said, well, just watching other people, I guess. You're the best I've ever seen, I told him. I want you to take care of my truck whenever I come in. What's your name? And here's a tip. And I thanked him profusely and gave him a tip. When I drove out of the station, I'd forgot all about losing the morning and the inconvenience of having a flat tire. The smile on his face made me happy. And it reminded me that we are the happiest when we are doing things for other people. Instead of sitting around feeling sorry for ourselves, we can decide to be proactive and do something for someone else. Call someone on the phone, but don't talk too much about yourself. Ask about them. Sixth, listen to happy music. A few years ago, in the days of LP records and newfangled cassette tapes, I found myself feeling depressed and decided to do whatever I needed to do to snap out of it. I went to the library and checked out dozens of albums of music, classical, pop, and Christian. I found the happiest and brightest pieces on those albums that I could, and I played them and at the same time recorded them on my cassette tape with the um, uh, microphone right up to the speaker of the uh, phonograph record machine player. And so I created my set of cassettes that I called my happy music or my feel-good music. I began listening to them in the car. They were upbeat tunes. You'd want to uh, tap your foot to them. And I discovered that music is truly an emotional medium. It's hard to keep your spirits up when you listen to melancholic music. But when you listen to feel-good music and very much of today's worship music and yesterday's great hymns, well, a lot of it is like that, then it lifts your spirits. And, you know, my whole family came to love the songs. We'd play the cassettes in the car. It's hard to remain in the dumps when you put on bright and happy music. Even morbid old King Saul was uplifted when David came and played his harp. It was the only thing that helped that miserable old king. Well, we don't need harps, and we seldom find any longer LPs or cassettes, but we have music streaming services 
it's even better. You can create your own playlist. My grandson Elijah helped me get mine started, and I have several different playlists. One of them is called Feel Good Music, and I listen to joyful music throughout the day. When I'm doing chores around the house, I put on music that, well, it almost makes me want to dance. I have an entire playlist called Feel Good Music and another, well, I've got several. But you've got to find the music that lifts you up and especially music that brings glory to God in the lyrics. So choose your music carefully and find music that is happy and joyful to your heart. Seventh, go for a walk. When you look at the characters in the Bible, you notice that they generally kept themselves in good physical shape. Uh, You can look at Elijah running, or Jonathan and his archery, or Samson and his bodybuilding, or Daniel and his healthy diet. Christ himself had a very strong physique. He was able to walk long distances and work long hours and bear great pain. Paul, too, was fit enough to tread water a day and night in the deep. Well, doctors tell us, as you no doubt know, that when we walk or run or exert our bodies in some way, it releases endorphins, which are nature's pep pill. Automatically, we begin to feel better, not just physically, but emotionally. So some people think that exercise tires them out, but our fatigue is more often caused by nervous strain than by physical exertion. Exercise provides a way of relieving our bodies of that daily stress and empowering their ability to deliver and utilize oxygen. After this podcast is recorded, I want to go to the gym. I try to do that now two or three days a week. I used to run, and I loved running, but then my knees got older. So now I'm trying to go to the gym, but when I can't, even marching around the house to the beat of that aforementioned happy music is helpful. When my wife was no longer able to walk, she would still fling her arms around and try to get all of the motion that she could. So keep moving. Go for a walk. Whatever you can do to get a little exercise, then do it. And eighthly, do something for yourself every day. Take a little break each day and do something for yourself. Might be a hot bath or a cold glass of tea or a walk in the park, as I just mentioned, or a pretzel in the mall. But treat yourself to a little break every day and learn to enjoy being with yourself. Cultivate your own companionship. My wife Katrina battled a prolonged illness before she passed away, but right up until the end she found great pleasure in her afternoon tea time. Well, somewhere along the way I found a little poem and shared it with her because sometimes she would have tea by herself, and the little poem says, I had a little tea party this afternoon at three. T'was very small, just three in all, just I, myself, and me. Myself ate all the sandwiches while I drank all the tea. T'was also I who ate the pie and passed the cake to me. Learn to enjoy your own friendship, remembering also that your Lord is always near you. And number nine, claim the promises of God. Get into the scripture every day and find a word from him and trust him to keep it. I read the story of Benjamin Weir, the Presbyterian missionary to Lebanon, who was kidnapped on May the 8th of 1984. You may remember that story. He was kidnapped by Shiite Muslims in Beirut 
During his 16-month imprisonment, he was constantly threatened with death. On his first night in captivity, one of his captors came to him, telling him to face the wall, which he did. Now take your blindfold off and put this on. The man handed Benjamin a pair of ski goggles on which the eye holes had been covered with thick plastic adhesive tape. They totally blocked out all of the light. In Weir's mind, the sun had set. But this is what he later wrote. In the twilight, there came to my mind the hymn, Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. I felt vulnerable, helpless, lonely. I felt tears in my eyes. Then I remembered the promise in John's gospel by Jesus, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. He said, I prayed, Lord, I remember your promise, and I think this applies to me. I've done nothing to deserve it, but I receive it now as a free gift. I need you. I need your assurance and guidance to be faithful to you in this situation. Teach me what I need to learn. Deliver me from this place and this captivity, if it is your will. If it is not your will to set me free, help me to accept whatever is involved. Show me your gifts and enable me to recognize them as coming from you. Praise be to you. And Benjamin Noir clung to that promise from the Gospel of John. And for the next 16 months, his hope and joy was that he was not simply abiding in captivity. He was abiding in Christ and thus able to bear much fruit. Corey ten Boom said, Let God's promises shine on your problems. Isn't that a good sentence? I'll read it again. Let God's promises shine on your problems. The Christian never has a problem that cannot be countered by a divine promise if we but go to the Scripture and prayerfully find it. Martin Luther wrote, Faith looks with a steadfast grace with open and single eyes to the divine promises and hangs firm on them and has ever thence good hope of deliverance even in the greatest perils. And finally, number 10, learn the art of casting your burdens on the Lord. I've been so encouraged by reading about the great missionary statesman E. Stanley Jones. He had gone to India with visionary passion but his energy had evaporated amid unbearable heat, hostility, and anxiety, and he just thought that he was unraveling. His doctor thought so too, and prescribed a year of rest for him in America. But E. Stanley Jones collapsed aboard ship while trying to speak at a Sunday morning service at sea, and he barely made it home. Once there, he tried to rest, but his nerves crackled like a short-circuiting electrical connection. He insisted on returning to India a year later, but no sooner had he landed in Bombay than he collapsed again and was sent to the mountains for several more months of rest and relaxation. Finally returning to work, Jones quickly used up his meager emotional reserves and was again plunged into depression and debilitation, and his friends feared for his life. It was in this state that Jones traveled to the city of Lucknow to conduct a series of meetings. There one night while he was praying, he suddenly felt the Lord speaking to him. Though not audible, the Lord's voice almost seemed so. 
Jones sensed that the Lord was saying to him, Are you yourself ready for this work to which I have called you? No, Lord, I am done for, Jones replied. I've reached the end of my resources. Then, the Lord seemed to say, if you will turn that over to me and not worry about it, I will take care of it. Lord, Jones said, I close the bargain right here. And at that moment, E. Stanley Jones later said, a great peace settled into his heart and pervaded his whole being. He said, I knew it was done. Life, abundant life, had taken possession of me. I was so lifted up that I scarcely touched the road as I quietly walked home that night. Every inch was holy ground. For days after that, I hardly knew that I had a body. I went through the days working far into the night and came down to bedtime, wondering why in the world I should ever go to bed at all, for there was not the slightest trace of weariness of any kind. I seemed to be possessed by life and peace and rest and by Jesus Christ himself. E. Stanley Jones labored on for decades. He served over 40 years in India, preaching around the world sometimes three times a day, writing a dozen books, and becoming one of the most famous missionaries of his generation. From his evening encounter with the Lord at Lucknow until his death in 1973, E. Stanley Jones lived in the glow of the sufficiency of Christ himself, never forgetting what the Lord had told him, if you will turn that over to me and not worry about it, I will take care of it. In the same way, if you have a burden that is debilitating to you, if you'll turn that over to the Lord and not worry about it, he will take care of it. The Bible says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? The Lord Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the might of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So if you are ever melancholic like me, I want to suggest as you go into this new year, these 10 simple habits, just find one and work on it. Study the topic of joy in the Bible. Choose to be joyful. Accentuate the positive and count your blessings. Get enough rest. Do something for someone else. Listen to happy music. Get a little exercise. Take a break today and do something for yourself. Claim the promises of God and cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. And I think that if you'll learn to do some of these things and grow in them, you will become increasingly able to awaken every morning and say emphatically and aloud as you get out of bed, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, thanks for digging into this topic with me. And remember, as we start into this new year, that it is your encouragement in sharing this podcast with others that allows it to continue and to grow. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company Clearly Media and by MP Seminars. 
which for three decades has been training pastors, scholars, and Bible students in the use of Logos biblical software. Audio engineering and production is by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, adds an opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website, robertjmorgan.com, and you can find there many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thank you for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.